listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. A lot of networks are ambivalent about radio. It's like, yeah, should we commit to it? Should... Fox Sports Radio does, and, and we appreciate it very much. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. He's the fan who beats the man, A.J. Hoffman. Thank you, R.J. Great to be here on a day where the Portland Trailblazers break up their dynamic duo. The Kings and Pacers swap young stars, and more news comes to light on Alvin Kamara. What is the Vegas lead, R.J.? Well, first, I got a question. The dynamic duo? Dynamic in what way? Yeah, I mean, they were a consistent winner for Portland for, I mean, going on 10 years. Well, you, you mean like winning like 57% of their games of the season? Uh, well, yes. All right. No, I guess I, that brings up the point, right? If anything, there's always been – and let's start in the NBA. And, and my basic premise is – or assertion is, especially if we start with Portland, is there's always been something missing. And, you know, they made it to a fluky conference finals, but they weren't even competitive there. And I'm not saying being the final four isn't something, but considering Dame, what he's considered, and McCollum, and you've got some interest in one particular eye-popping stat with him, I have to say disappointment with Portland. And eventually they had to blow up, blow it up. The question is, is it to a lateral move to try with some different people, or is it a blow-up? Well, here I'm going to try my best to get through the names involved in this trade. Oh, and, well, you uh, are the professional broadcaster. I am not a professional NBA name announcer. Okay. But it, I know that the Portland Trailblazers will send C.J. McCollum, Larry Nance Jr., and Tony Snell to the Pelicans. I'm, I'm pretty solid on all yeah, those I think, names. Yeah, I think Larry Nance – yep, you got it. <laughs> yep, and in return, they get Josh Hart. Nikhil oh, that, one, that was a tough one. <laughs> Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Tomas Sadoransky, yes. Didi Lozada. No, no, pre- no, no, no. No. No? Oh, I don't McKenzie, know. McKenzie, you want to help joking. me out here? I was, I was just joking. Oh, I was okay. Joking. <laughs> A protected first-round pick and two second-round picks. And the first-round pick is protected uh, if it's top five this year. Why don't we say this? Name the guys that have simple names. Josh Hart. Well, hold on, hold on. If it's a big name, look it up. And if not, say a player to be named later. And by later, we mean the next show. Yeah, or by Dan Byer. Because Chris Broussard is going to be able to do it. <laughs> That's pretty yeah, let's good. Let's just say C.J. McCollum for Josh Hart and some draft picks uh, is the trade. Now, Josh Hart, he was he was the Canadian wrestler, right, WWE? That's Brett the Hitman Hart, oh, okay, I'm afraid. Okay. Yeah. All right, so listen. Here's my here's the thing. We are shifting to the NBA as the Super Bowl, you know, obviously finishes this week. Um, my approach always, though, is – the biggest stories, the analytics. I love the analytics. I don't get, if anything, the NBA is more advanced, I'd say, with the analytics than any other sport. They've they fostered it as a league. And, yeah, I'd say baseball. But in a way, baseball 
has kind of got become a, a solved game where best practices with the optimal plays are known and uh, maybe they're wrong, but everyone thinks they're right. So they're all playing the same way. You know, the whole Billy Bean uh, inefficiencies in the market doesn't feel like it's there in baseball as much. It feels like everyone's figured it out. NBA still hasn't been figured out, but boy, they are ahead of the NFL analytically. Would you agree with that, McKenzie? A hundred percent. And that's why you're looking at the Blazers team that says, okay, we've done everything analytically to maximize our offense, but our defense is bottom five the last five years in a row. The system just doesn't work. The pairing of two offensive guards in today's NBA just doesn't work analytically or any other way. The pairing of two offensive guards. So you're saying that are deficient at defense? Yes, yes. Obviously, you'd want to have two great guards on both sides of the ball, but two primarily offensive players. Did you hear my question? I want you yes. to listen and answer. Yes. All right. So you mean a, you're talking about two offensive guards? You mean there's a defensive uh, uh, lacking in those guards? Yes. yes and sir. the and the theory is that if there's two bad guards, the better defender can't help. The theory is, hey, uh, let's say uh, Steph Curry isn't a great defender, though he's a good help defender. But, hey, if he's got Clay Thompson, uh, an elite defender next to him back in the glory days and now, I guess, is uh, it could compensate for it, right? But you can't have two bad defenders. 100%, especially the way NBA teams want to switch everything now. They want to say, okay, well, if you're trying to get a better player on a worse defender, well, we'll just switch it. Well, you can't switch if you have two bad defenders on the court. you got to keep you know, the big man on the big man and et cetera. Uh, and switching is typically going to happen when the pick is set, correct? Yes, sir. All right, and is that the only—you don't need to say sir, just answer the question. <laughs> is it, it, But is that the only time they switch? I mean, they trap—you know, they're trapping sometimes they might switch out of that, right? Yeah, also if you get it in the post, you might see a quick switch before the, uh, before the player can make his move. How could they—they they would double in the post. They wouldn't switch because someone's got to yeah, be exactly. behind him. Well, right? you double, and then you have the uh, better defender stay, and if there's enough time, you have the— uh, worst defender retreat to, to the help. Yeah, I guess I do know a lot about the NBA, AJ. What's your <laughs> take? What's your take on the Blazers? Are you talking to me? Yeah, AJ. Oh, yeah. I would say that the Blazers, I think they've maxed out what they can do, and it was probably time for a reset. And from everything I've seen, it looks like the Blazers are kind of ready to to make Anthony Simmons the or Anthony Simons the number two guy to Dame. I think they're gonna they're gonna extend him over the summer. But hold on and, a second. And, if he's the three guy now Well he's not got- really he, He's not really the three guy. He's kind of excelled because Lillard and McCollum have been missing a lot of time. Yeah, so but, he's been sort of their go-to guy. But in, the, in an open question, in the positionless quote-unquote NBA, you can certainly have three players that, that – I mean, what I hear you saying is old school, like, oh, well, he is the shooting guard or he's the small forward. But it seems like these days, especially if they can defend it all, and maybe that was the problem as McKenzie was bringing up, uh, you can play uh, – you don't have to – I mean, LeBron's playing center sometimes, right? So, sure. I mean, to some degree – McKenzie, do you look at the situation where it's like – McCollum's expendable because of a player that is is surging? No, I don't think that Anthony Simons has proven enough to say CJ McCollum's expendable. I'd say if you're looking at upside, though, Anthony Simons has proven to be a plus defender in his young career. CJ McCollum's 10 years in is never going to get there. So if you say, okay, Simons maybe can be as good as McCollum offensively, but he also has an upside defensively, it starts to make sense why you don't want McCollum and you do want Simons. 
Okay, so you're saying right now he's about an equal defender. He's a little bit short on offense, but there's there's a lot of room to grow. Yes, sir. Yeah. Now, how do, yes, RJ. <laughs> Jesus. Now, how does – yeah, I just am going to draft you into the Marines all of a sudden. All right, <laughs> drop and do 10, and then we're straight – Yeah, we're straight out of <laughs> – We'll watch Center of the Woman, Center of the Woman tonight or, and go from there. Is um, Dame's age – do you think Dame gets traded? McKenzie. I do. I think you're the only way that this makes sense is if it's a complete blow up. They just got rid of um, uh, Covington and Powell. They're pretty much trading all their best players. There's one left. That's Dame. He doesn't want to be there by himself. I assume that he's trying to get his, his way out the door to a super well, team or at I least mean, a better a su- team. Yeah, he's a superstar to the degree that it's going to be a real battle not to trade. I mean, it seems like they're at his mercy if he wants to be traded. Now, his stomach injury is supposed to be resolved. When is he supposed to be available? Uh, let me pull that up. I'm not, I'm not exactly yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm hearing, and we'll confirm it, I'm hearing, and we're talking about Dame Lillard here, as Fez would say, Dame time, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm hearing it's a situation where if it goes optimistically, it could be right around the playoffs, like not that far if they make it. Uh, but I also hear rumors they're going to shut him down and trade him in the offseason. You know, that's an interesting question. If he's able to come back for the playoffs – and he got traded to, let's say, pick a team, the Sixers, well, that would be extremely valuable. It seems like you'd be losing some real value not trading him. And remember, the trading deadline is Thursday, correct? Yeah. McKenzie? Yeah. Yes, that's correct. You following me? Yes. Okay. All right. I, I guess my question is, if they're uh, looking to trade him, why sign him to the extension they did in the offseason and, and make – I mean, obviously the number attached to him now, $42 million next year, it, it's making it much more difficult to move on from him, isn't it? See, I'm not sure. The question about Lillard is the following. Before the Olympics last year – so we're talking not that long ago. He was considered like a top six, seven, eight players in the league. And what's happened is, well, he's gotten, he's hitting the age where maybe the age is an issue because Bill Simmons talks about this a lot. Smaller guards in the NBA don't have longevity. And as Isaiah Thomas, old school type, um, or even the new school, you know, he had uh, Isaiah Thomas for the Celtics, had a couple, well, one really good year. And then they just get banged on. If they're playing guys, even think of Jordan playing guard effectively with six, 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 seven. And these days they're they're at that big, if not bigger, most. So if you're six one, six two, it's just hard. I mean, think of what Kobe size. I mean, it's like as much as we want to act like, hey, if you're six one, six two, it's fine. And Iverson was five eleven or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but Iverson's career ended pretty early, or at least his dominance did. And it looks like that if Dane does hit the wall, it's going to look a lot like what we've seen. Now, is this the wall or is this something else that is going to look like the wall but isn't, but the wall isn't too far after it, even if it isn't? So if he has two good years left after this year, I think he has massive trading value, and that contract's an asset. And the more you can extend him, I mean, think about Ben Simmons. As problematic as he is, one of the selling points for the Sixers is, hey, he's got four years, this year plus, I think, three more. 
So even though you would think this guy is the you know junior max or whatever, right, when he doesn't have the seniority for the next one, so he's getting paid as much as a player could. He's sitting out because he's got you know whatever, but still he's an asset at the max. So as long as as long as Dame Lillard doesn't hit a, a John Wall a John Wall type wall well, where he jo- like he just can't wall, play at all. Yeah. And with Wall it was injuries, right? And, right? and it could and here it could be. But Lillard was a. I mean, in a weird way, they said Lillard had this stomach problem for quite a while. He was trying to play through it. Now the question is. Was that just an excuse to try to explain away the bad performance earlier this year? Or is it true and we should give him like a Baker Mayfield, like give him some gutsy credit for fighting through the injuries? By the way, Mackenzie, what did we figure out with the injury outlook? His abdominal surgery, uh, he's supposed to be reevaluated in mid-February, and he says he hasn't ruled out returning this season. Makes it seem like it's more likely than not that he will be shelved for the entire season. Really? I don't think so at all. I think what that's saying is keep me here and I'm, my stomach's going to be hurting, but I'm da- I'm dangling that I'm going to be available for the playoffs, which would motivate the Blazers to play him or trade him now because he will be a, a significant asset if he's healthy in theory. And again, the question marks remain, but if you're a fan of the Sixers and they got Dame Lillard for a reasonable price, you're, you got to be excited. Right, McKenzie? No doubt. You have to be over the moon. I mean, you have Shaq. Theoretically, you need a Kobe. You need an elite guard. You mentioned Lillard's struggles so far this year. I think we should mention lowest points he's had per game in seven years, worst shooting of his career, worst three-point shooting of his career. So if you're Lillard's agent and if you're trying to trade him, yeah, you're going to say, well, he's been struggling with a stomach injury. Otherwise, he's not at that level he was the past two years where he set career highs in points and shooting. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Two-time All-Star DeMontis Sabonis has been traded to the Sacramento Kings for Tyrese Halliburton. And Tyrese Halliburton, if you recall, RJ, just a couple of weeks ago was considered the deal-breaker between the Kings and the Sixers in a deal involving Ben Simmons because the Kings were unwilling to give up Tyrese Halliburton, their 21-year-old guard. So we can say effectively that one NBA team, if if the reporting is correct on the – uh, ben Simmons' potential trade that was nixed, and if Halliburton was the reason, we could make a case that the NBA right now considers Halliburton to be, oh, I'm sorry, let's think about this, Sabonis to be a superior trade asset, a superior asset than Ben Simmons. And Which is pretty wild to consider. So, Mackenzie, you do your rankings, right? Where do you got Sabonis? Where do you got Ben Simmons? Oh, God, he's going to have Ben Simmons like 114, I bet. (laughs) I have them both tied for 35th, 1.5 points better. uh, Helps on the Vegas line if they're in versus out. Helps on the Vegas line. Okay, is and and, and when's the last time you adjusted those numbers? Adjust them regularly. Yeah, when was the last time you adjusted those numbers? Today. I wanted to look and see who was better, Sabonis or Simmons, and they were the same. So they were the same and you made no adjustment? Yes. So they've been the same for, like, extended time, huh? Now, where was Simmons at? And, and maybe you don't have the exact number, but you got memory on it. Where was he at, let's say, entering the playoffs last year? So before like, the real trouble started. Like 29th or 30th, I had him lower than most people. 
So, so you literally have hardly dropped them. Yeah. That seems irrational. How, who in the right, I mean, here's the question with Simmons. And I mean, obviously they have till Thursday trading deadline, the NBA Thursday is uh, to trade them for this go around, right? The Sixers. But if he's got mental, uh, I don't know the right way to mental health problems, we'll call it. I don't know. Is that right? Is, um, how how are we sure that when he gets to the next team, he's not going to have those same problems? I mean, I get why there's – I mean, let's assume, and a lot of people believe, that this is not necessarily that, but, hey, it's a nice, safe thing to say, all right? Now, I don't know that's the case, but let's – I don't think it would be impossible for it to be the case. In fact, I think it's probably likely, but I'm not sure. Let's say that to start with. He could have re- severe mental health problems, Ben Simmons. I don't know. But it feels like we never heard about that. We heard he didn't want to shoot threes, and we heard part of that was because he was good at everything and he wasn't good at threes, and he didn't want to like do something he wasn't good at, even if being okay at it was better than not doing it. Now, that's interesting because you want a guy that really doesn't want to be bad. You want that. But to the point where you don't work your way through, like I'm never going to like pick up a second language. I'm never going to play a new game. I'm never going to pick up golf because I won't be good at the beginning. Well, he's been playing basketball his whole life. And he can't shoot. So at some point, he maybe should have started working on that. <laughs> and I don't know if it, you know, maybe this is a brilliant point, but hey, you shoot in basketball. And in this day and age, it's more important than ever. Meaning a, a defender, a guy that could, you know, Magic wasn't a great shooter for a long time. I mean, he got better. But you watch those old games, Magic was not, a, I mean, there's a reason he got the baby hook going. And... It's like, imagine if Ben Simmons was an average outside shooter. What would he be if it wasn't for the head case stuff? I don't think that's the technical term. Well, but, I mean, he's an elite defensive player. So yeah, if he's it a top. For- I mean, top. I, people debate it. They say he gets too much credit. But everyone thinks he's a top 10 player on defense. If yeah. not a top five, probably. Right. Let's say top five, which is I think because a lot of people had him second last year on the defensive player of the year. Um, to go bear, uh, who won it, but I don't know, right? Let's say top five. So he's a, he's a lead on the break. He's a good passer. He is the perfect small ball five now, like in a way, cause he, and that doesn't hurt. His shooting doesn't hurt so much there. And you know, all, all LeBron's approach now with it. And you got to wonder if he was just average from three He's a top 15 player. Does that sound right? Open it, question. It, I mean, it seems it seems right to me. If I mean, if he were a, a, an average offensive player, he would be one of the yeah, top 15 he, he players in the is, league. He probably is an average offensive player before the playoffs. He was. I would say if you would have asked entering the playoffs, you know, give him an offensive ranking, give him a defensive ranking, Ben Simmons would have gotten an A-plus on defense. And against the other NBA players, a C on offense because his ability to push the ball in transition and his passing and his offensive rebounding, um, you know, all in all, he was good except for he was like a Jalen Rose type but couldn't shoot. But but much more, you know, as in a tall point guard that that, you know, it, it, it feels like. That, that 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 if you just look at his three pointers, you're right. If he was just average at that, but I think in the offense, 
What would you I say, should have said I should have said if he was an average shooter, like you were saying. That's probably yeah. a better terminology. And I think that might be even true too. Meaning I, he's not shooting all that great from 15 feet either, or, or you know the free right. throws. So yeah, that's probably even better, right? Because if he can't make, free, yeah, you, you're making a good point. If he was an average shooter, then he is a top, you know, a top 15, if not better, player. And I mean, he's made multiple All NBA teams. And that's with his shooting the way it's been. In All-NBA, there's only three teams. There's 15 players a year. Did you know that, McKenzie? I did. I okay. did. 15 <laughs> players. Five surprising. Surprising. Is All-NBA, there's three teams. And that's a big deal. There is huge incentives to that uh, in contracts. And um, there's also, for history, the thing people forget about with these Pro Bowls and these uh, all pros, like think about it. Brady, we were talking, made like three, and 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 uh, Manning made seven first teams, and we're making the case maybe Brady wasn't the best all-time regular season quarterback. It was just the playoffs that pushed him over the top, which still is amazing. But one of the cases we made was, hey, look, he's look at these uh, all pros. And to me, the All-NBA is certainly like that. When you hear a player retire, it's like, made two All-NBA teams, blah, blah, blah. So there's big money on it. Uh, Tatum had a huge contract swing on that. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it, Up On Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Byron Allen, particularly being interested in buying the Denver Broncos and did some research during the break. And this entertainment studios that he owns, uh, it's I, he owns the Weather Channel, which is part of it. It's in, I mean, obviously, 80 million households. Uh, that's the most widely available of his of his networks. But he owns a lot of other smaller networks, including some of the regional Fox Sports networks. Yeah, so it, it, it seems like, like you said, a comedian background who then it looks like went to the production and the business side and been very successful. So, um, boy, you want to talk about someone, imagine an, an articulate, uh, you know, good presenter, you know, different owners. You, know, you look at the NFL owners, it's very much like you got your Jerry Joneses and then you got the guys you don't even know their names. There's a lot of guys, if I said, who owns Team X, if you're not in that market, you know, who owns Arizona? I mean, anyone? You know, it, 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 I was, I was going to say the Bidwell family. I don't know who the, uh, if it's. Is that um, still the case? I don't even know. I, I think so. I don't know. Yeah, the, and that's kind of the <laughs> to point. To your point. Right? But, but, but we've got guys that, that are forces. And to me, to be the for, you know, hopefully only for a time, but to be the lone black owner, if this happens, that would give such a platform and, and, and the chance to, you know, affect change, as they say. 
All right, so I'm going to do my best bet, AJ. What do we got? Well, let's do the Super Bowl market update. Not a lot of movement, and it goes to show you, and we'll talk about the specifics, but it goes to show you that the biggest, the most liquid markets, liquid means there's the most betting in them, right? How much of a limit are they going to take? And that means that people take it more seriously. If you can bet $10 on something, like the WNBA, you can bet maybe 500 a lot of pros won't even get involved with it. It's not worth the time because if your ROI, return on investment, is 10%, well, every bet's worth 50 bucks. Is that worth, you know, in the long run, right? That's a theoretical. Um, if you, like, literally, you can get multiple millions down without a problem on this Super Bowl. The line is going to get extra sharp. And that's what we've seen with the lack of movement, AJ. Give us an update. Yeah, the Super Bowl, we mentioned yesterday the money that had came in, come in over the weekend on the Bengals. Uh, now we're seeing a lot of Rams minus four and Rams minus four and a half. So you can get your choice of those two numbers. The total remains uh, at 48 and a half. And how's your handicap right now on the game? I know you, I don't want to say are in the tank for Stafford, but you're in the tank for Stafford, right? I'm in the tank for Stafford. Yeah, I I don't I haven't made an official bet on the game yet. I yeah, am yeah I'm on... asking how your opinion's evolving. Oh, my opinion's not evolved. I like the Rams, and yeah, I, you, I would you like I being like stubborn. The... I am. I I thought I thought on last week's pod I made some compelling points on the Bengals. You did. I, yeah. I mean, I thought I made some compelling points on the Rams, although my voice no, didn't really I, get them across. I, yeah, but... I didn't hear those. I didn't hear oh, those. shocker. <laughs> All right. Here comes my second prop bet. And it is, and this one's making the rounds a little bit, and the line's moving, but boy, it's compelling. And it is, will the opening kickoff be a touchback? And you can bet no at plus 130, let's say. And Mackenzie, why don't you check on that? See what if you can what the current number is. Make sure it hasn't moved. In the last 28 Super Bowls, there's been a touchback twice. So when we say that there won't be a touchback, no, and we're getting plus money, we literally have a 26 and two prop that we're getting plus money on. How could that be? Something. All right. Well, first off. The, where the kickoff happened uh, occurs from changed, right? Like I think uh, 2011. So if you look at just those 10 years of Super Bowls, it literally is going to be eight and two, though. So why is this number a plus number? It's because in every other situation, it happens so much more often. But because of, and Pat McAfee talked about this, the ball is really hard. They don't get to warm it up. And because the, the, the return guy is all juiced up, he tends to bring the ball out. So it is going to be no touchback plus money. McKenzie, what do we got? Plus 120 consensus. All right, so it's moving, but I still like it. Plus 120. 